My feet take me where I need to go, through dark forests, over mountains, and flippering across lakes. What will it be today, feet? Welcome to the Nature of Phenology, where we share the cycles and seasons of the outdoors. I'm your host, Hazel Stark, and this episode was written by Joe Horn. It is an odd thing how tastes seem to follow genetic lines. My brother quite clearly got his taste for all things salty, crunchy, and buttery from my father's side of the family, a family equally steeped in the traditions of home-koshering chickens as it was in a Quebecois pork pie. I, on the other hand, got the sweet tooth of my mother and grandmother. But where my grandmother appreciated any combination of nuts, butter, and sugar, my mom manifested this trait with an inexhaustible appetite for fruit. While some folks like apples or peaches, my mother rotates through fruits with the seasons. Fall is for apples and pears, winter is for citrus, summer is for peaches. Growing up, we would go on family outings to pick fruit. Wineberries, blackberries, raspberries, and wild grapes. Some we would save for jams and jellies, but many we would eat right away. And these adventures all create memories, which create stories, which are told and retold until they are threadbare, hanging on only because of their retelling. Many of our berry stories center upon stumbling across patch after patch of a berry that went into our pancakes, coffee cakes, and mouths during wilderness canoe trips. Blueberries. I've often heard it said that the wildness of lowbush blueberries make them far superior to highbush blueberries. But in truth, our lowbush blueberries are actually a diverse collection of species, and our highbush blueberries are as wildly main as pine trees and lobster. Our wild highbush blueberries, or Vaccinium corymbosum, are commonly found along bodies of water, like lakes, ponds, and swamps, from Nova Scotia to Florida. The shrubs, as the name suggests, are fairly tall, with hard, gnarly branches growing to heights of up to 8 feet. While camping on Tunk Lake last summer, my companions and I were lucky enough to stumble upon bushes heavily laden with wild highbush blueberries scarcely bigger than their lowbush brethren. I had woken hours before the others, so busied myself with wandering the shoreline, gathering the blueberries to go with our morning porridge. When my friend, a fiercely proud, born-and-raised Mainer, awoke and saw what I had picked, she stomped her foot in indignation and declared in the thickest Maine accent I have ever heard that highbush blueberries were inferior and couldn't hold a candle to the flavor of real lowbush blueberries. Well, I urged her to taste some, for I had been nibbling them all morning and had come to the conclusion that they were some of the tastiest wild blueberries I had ever had, more so than any lowbush I had had in recent memory. She hesitantly popped a few in her mouth, and her eyes got big, exclaiming that they were amazing. She clearly and intentionally dodged comparing them with wild mane lowbush blueberries. So what about those iconic lowbush wild blueberries? Well, they're actually not one species, but rather a collection of species that all are happy at home in glacial till and mountaintops, basically anywhere the soil is too poor to support much else. To name a few, there is Vaccinium angustifolium, which is simply called the lowbush blueberry. There is Vaccinium myrtilloides, or the sourtop blueberry. Vaccinium pallidum, the hillside blueberry. And Vaccinium boreal, or alpine blueberry. While it can be hard to distinguish these species, what makes matters worse is all can freely hybridize, even with the highbush blueberry, displaying mixed traits. But without this diversity of forms, flavors, and habitat niches, our blueberry pies, jams, pancakes, and buckles wouldn't have the same kick. 
So this weekend, you could head out in search of the season's first wild blueberries to bake into whatever your favorite recipe is, or just eat straight off the bush. But as you indulge your sweet tooth, remember that what makes wild Maine blueberries wonderful is the great diversity of species and crosses all working together to make flavors unmatched. Furthermore, this diversity in all its beautiful forms is what gives real strength to our berries and has enabled them to survive fires, floods, and ice ages. Perhaps we can all take a leaf out of the Blueberries book and welcome diversity in all aspects of our lives, both on and off the Blueberry Baron. You can download this episode and find a link to the transcript, photos, information about podcasting, and more by visiting archives.weru.org. Have a topic that you want us to cover in our show? Let us know. Thanks for listening, and please join us next week for another dive into the nature of phonology.